Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Jason Emanuel, and we will be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We're excited to introduce today's guest, Albert Betancourt, a catastrophe management analyst at American Family Insurance in Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome, Albert. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Albert, could you describe what a catastrophe management analyst does and where they work? Absolutely. Um, so it's sort of a mouthful, so I'll do my best to <laughs> <laughs> uh, explain it simply as I can. But um, essentially, a catastrophe modeler is uh, someone who works in either insurance, reinsurance, financial institutions, or different corporations uh, that want to evaluate and manage their catastrophe risk from uh all sorts of natural perils and even man-made perils and pandemics. Me specifically, uh, I'm primarily focused on natural catastrophe risk. So and anything, anything from earthquakes to hurricanes to floods, you name it. So do, so do like insurance companies like hire catastrophe managers to figure out, you know, um, I don't know what the costs would be for some type of event or, um, you know, what the consequences are? Like, how does it work? Well, um, so to answer your first part of your question, yeah, um, in insurance companies, reinsurance companies, and uh, these catastrophe model developers are probably the, the biggest employers of um, catastrophe managers, analysts like me. And essentially what we're trying to achieve is how, how much can you expect to lose in a given year for whatever location you're modeling against, or even an entire book of, of business. What I mean by that is all of the policies in your book of business. So it could be thousands, millions of policies across the country. And uh, the models take a lot of um, a lot of earth science um, concepts, engineering, financial, and, and insurance uh, structures. And it's all in this very complex model. And there's a lot of outputs, but one of the primary um, one of the primary outputs that we use is going to be, it's called an average annual loss. So and kind of self-explanatory in an average year, how much can you expect to lose from uh, whatever mo uh, peril you're modeling against? And another uh, primary metric that we get out of these models is they're called probable maximum losses or exceedance probabilities. So, you know, in, in a given year, like wh uh, what's the probability that the losses for this portfolio or this book of business, whatever it might be, uh, will exceed a, a given financial threshold. And I mean, there's a lot of uses for these catastrophe models. The potential uses include uh, rate making, uh, portfolio management and optimization. Uh, uh, it's used in underwriting for risk selection. Uh, there's lots of things, loss mitigation strategies. Uh, and then when the insurance companies are trying to purchase reinsurance, which is insurance for the insurance companies, uh, it's, it's sort of like a type of currency that's used to help make those decisions. And yeah, it's, I can go on and on. There's a lot, really. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes more sense to me. Thanks for that explanation. That was great. And so could you give us a little bit about your educational background, just the path you took to where you are now? Oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good one. So I started off my, my freshman year. I, um, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, my, my father's a, a pediatrician, so naturally it felt like I'd be a doctor as well. Mm -hmm. But 
I quickly realized that my real interests were in the earth sciences, but I couldn't quite pick what I was, what I wanted to pursue. So uh, growing up in Michigan, uh, I wanted to get out of my home state. I wanted to just leave. I'm from a small town in central Michigan called Ithaca. And I had the opportunity to study at Florida International University in Miami, which conveniently there was family down there that I rarely got to see. Mm -hmm. So I got to uh, go to school. I studied uh, geoscience and it was also nice to be able to live with family. It definitely helped on the cost of college. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. But along the way, um, I was in my, going into my junior year, in my undergrad, and I realized that I haven't had any internship experiences. Like, do I know what am I getting into? Is that what I'm going to want to do for my career? Yeah. Thinking lifelong career. Right. So I had six different internship experiences ranging from uh, time at the National Weather Service at the Miami Weather Forecast Office uh, to doing academic research at Colorado State University. Um, I got to do some work with Penn State University in the Everglades National Park. Uh, and I also had some other uh, internships at the uh, Florida International University. And pretty much what I learned from all of those experiences was that I didn't want to do any of those things as a full-time career. <laughs> <laughs> as, as cool as they were, they, were ver- they all were very valuable to me. And it, it really mm-hmm. helped shape my path to where I wanted to go. And I graduated um, in 2016 for my bachelor's. And I was kind of nervous, honestly, because I knew that pursuing a, a master's in atmospheric science, doing research or a PhD wasn't really, I just didn't have that spark, that, that motivation to really want to do that. I wanted to do something more applicable. Mm-hmm. And um, without diverting too much, I ended up going on an eight-week road trip across the country and uh, with my dog And along the way, I learned about this program at the University of Miami. Um, It's called the Master's in Professional Science, or MPS. It's essentially, it's a a master's degree program, but instead of focusing on a thesis, and uh, that research component is um, supplemented with, uh, directed towards applicable skills in the the workplace. Like, uh, uh, not to say there's nothing valuable about learning how to do research. Uh, but it's just, it was just a different degree type and it, it interests me because it kind of skipped a uh, component that I was not too fond of, or maybe I was just nervous at the time. But regardless, the week, I, the, the week that the application was due, they had just released a new program uh, called Natural Hazard and, and Catastrophes. It's, uh, it's this new program that was directed towards um, insurance, catastrophe modeling, and emergency management. And as soon as I read that first article about it, it just a spark went off in my head. I remember all the way back from my uh, meteorology, general meteorology 101, my very first meteorology class, where uh, my professor, Dr. Willoughby, uh, was going over all the different areas where meteorologists could work. And obviously, the primary focus was academic research, the National Weather Service, and then the private sector. But there was very, um, all stuff about the private sector was very, uh, there wasn't a lot of detail there. And at the very bottom of that list was insurance. And I, at the time, I didn't even think about it. I was like, what? And went over my head. But then once I read that article, I was just like, whoa, what, what is here? I had something I haven't explored yet. Mm-hmm. And after reading more about the types of, like the details that go into a role as a catastrophe modeler or analyst, uh, it, it was just so intriguing to me. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I applied for the program. And as part of that program, a requirement is an internship um, experience, a relevant internship experience. Um, so I had the opportunity to uh, intern at Munich Reinsurance, which is one of the, it's the largest um, 
reinsurer on, on the planet. And it was, I was just like walking in the clouds because even though it was just a very, it was only, I was only there for five months. I just realized, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And uh, I, it was very excited, a type of uh, motivation that I had not experienced before. So it, it just, it felt like the right fit. And honestly, it, it, it totally has. And I haven't looked back. I'm, I'm really happy with the choices that I made along the way. And I'm very thankful for the internship opportunities I had, because like I said, that is what really helped steer me in the direction that I am now. I was going to say, that was really important that, that you had those internships in all the different sectors, because if you didn't have those experiences, you may have ended up taking a job at one of those areas and just been like, ugh, this is not what I expected it to be. So that's some good advice for students to really do as many internships as you can, just so you can get an idea of what you like and what you don't like. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I think that's the biggest the biggest takeaway from an internship is just kind of like a teaser. Like, this is what you could be doing. You like it or not? And, and, and yeah, it was very important for me. And I would highly recommend anyone, any student, um, even if you've graduated, I know it's kind of tough, you know, finding a job um, after graduation, but I mean, I, I wouldn't turn down the opportunity for an internship, even if I had already graduated, because you, you never know those, the, there's lots of potential doors that could open and who knows, you might learn something new or, or something uh, might pique your interest elsewhere. And that could lead to a whole new area, which is a, sort of what happened to me. So the, the master's in professional sciences that you said um, you enrolled in now, I'm assuming that that didn't have like the typical math and science courses that you took for your undergraduate degree. So what were some of the other types of courses that you took that were helpful you know, in getting a career in catastrophe management? So the, definitely the MPS program, uh, the requirements to get in were not as stringent as a traditional master's program in, in meteorology or atmospheric science, but there was definitely, there was definitely still the expectation that you had taken, you know, these different math courses, et cetera. However, um, a lot of the students who were in the program were not just atmospheric science majors. There was, you know, people in emergency management and environmental science. So it was, a little bit more generalized. However, a lot of the courses that I took in that program were um, not was it wasn't completely unfamiliar to me. I mean, because I did a geoscience degree with a focus in atmospheric science. Uh, all the atmospheric science related courses were, you know, not, I don't want to say repeated information, but just more in depth. You know, graduate level courses you'd expect is more more challenging, more in in depth. You really realize how much you don't know. Um, but I think one of the courses that really contributed to me was um, a GIS course that I took. And if, for those who don't know what GIS is, it's Geographic Information Systems. It's um, more than just maps, but it's essentially a map making software. Um, but I took a course there. It was, uh, it was on fishery sciences. So it was irrelevant to like what, to the natural catastrophe, like perils, but the the underlying concepts and GIS that I learned and statistics and those were uh, really beneficial for me moving forward, more so than I anticipated, in fact. Um, so, but really a lot of what I have learned in this role has been here at my job, uh, which I think is probably a typical answer for many people in, in many different fields. Um, having the earth science and analytical background is extremely valuable in this field, but um, really having come from the geoscience background, I mean, I'm working in an insurance company, so there's a lot of 
concepts, uh, moving pieces. It comp- insurance is very complex. And um, really, a lot of the things that I'm learning now uh, is about insurance, what the fundamentals of insurance, whether, the, you know, from marketing to actuarial to underwriting, everything, uh, really. And in fact, um, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a online college. It, it's called the Institutes. It's, a, it's essentially a bunch of professional designations all related towards um, the insurance and risk management uh, field. So one in particular that I'm pursuing, it's called a, um, a CPCU, which stands for the Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter. And it really, it's a, kind of has the equivalence of an MBA, where an MBA is more focused on, more, is more general. Uh, the CPCU would be more focused on insurance and risk management. So if, if, if you know this is the field you want to pursue, the CPCU, in my opinion, would be a better uh, route to take. But within the CPCU designation, I'm, I believe there's like seven or six or eight. I don't remember exactly. It, it's about a two-year commitment, um, according to their website. But it gives you a very deep understanding of the insurance space and reinsurance and all the different cogs that go into how the business works. So th- that has been very important to me because, and personally, one thing that frustrates me is if someone asks me a question um, that I would be expected to know, if I can't answer it, it's, I feel like I feel useless. So a lot of times I'll be in a meeting or uh, or, or hearing something about insurance and it, it kind of goes over my head as far as like what the actual concepts they're talking about are. And I, I feel I don't want to feel useless like that. So that it was really a big motivator to want to learn more about the business that I'm in. I mean, I don't want to just be pushing a button, running these models and, and, and here's the results, but not knowing how it gets used, why it gets used. And, and so it's, it's always a learning experience. I mean, you never stop learning really. You don't, um, on top of the CPCU courses that I'm taking, I'm also pursuing another, um, uh, catastrophe modeling or management specific, um, professional designation that was just released this year. Um, uh, it's part of the ICAS, is the Casualty, Actuar- Casualty Actuarial Society, and the um, International Society for Catastrophe Managers, other, uh, otherwise known as ISCM. So it's really just courses specific to catastrophe modeling to really get you, you know, into all the nitty gritty details of how the models work, what these mean, uh, how it gets used here and different uh, parts of insurance. So it, it's, uh, it's exciting for me because uh, again, um, having done everything in a geoscience framework, like taking a class that's not related to uh, some type of earth science is, is sort of refreshing because right. it's just something new to learn. Um, not, that I, not that I know it all, but you know what I mean? It's just a totally different topic. And it's very interesting to see how the two, how the, how the two fields can overlap in terms of you know, how do you connect the science um, that goes behind these models to the industry and how it's, it's very interesting work. I, I love it. So Albert was, um, was your first job in the field, the catastrophe management position, or did you have a, a another job before that one came along? Um, I've had many jobs, none of them related to, uh, the field the, uh, where I am right now at American family. This was my first job in the field. I, uh, in fact, I was hired before I even graduated, um, so that, that was a uh, that was a relief. <laughs> I just said at that point I only had to worry about my final presentation, but uh, it, it felt nice knowing that the program I pursued paid off, and it was totally a a, a worthwhile investment into my future and into, into my career. 
So you were able to find the position you're at now through your graduate program, through their career services? Yes. Well, um, yes and no. Let me, uh, maybe I can rephrase that. Um, since my program that I was in was so new, uh, I, was, uh, I was one of two people who graduated from that, the first class of that program. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was, so uh, I guess since my name, you know, Albert Betancourt, technically I was the first graduate because I was read first, but <laughs> I, was, I would joke about that with my friend but, um, uh, because we were both in that program. But uh, regardless, um, the, since the program was so new, uh, there was no, like the university didn't necessarily get me the job. It was more so, it was definitely the experience. Like during my interview, um, I just talked about my, I want to say minimal experience using these catastrophe models. And those are huge highlights on my application because uh, really for getting a job in this field, they, a lot of these positions, you know, they're entry level, but they expect that you have some type of experience using these models, but there's no way to get access to these models unless you're in, you know, interning in, uh, in the field or in a, in a company that licenses them because they're, uh, they're certainly not cheap. Oh, they're I see very, very expensive. Yeah. So it's not like you can go and, you know, on, do some, you're on your own projects in Python or trying, you know, to, to get experience and have some type of portfolio, I guess, what you've done. Really, the only way to use these models is to get an internship or, you know, work at the, the different model vendors. Uh, so I think that's uh, definitely a big inhibitor as far as getting that kind of experience. But like I said, the internship, I think, is what really got me the job because it was just a practical, relevant experience. I could just migrate directly from school to work. And um, I think that's exactly what happened. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So can you walk... Not to... I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Not to discredit the university because it, um, uh, it certainly helped uh, get me into my position. I mean, it's... Yeah, right. it was it, yeah, it was something else on our resume that looked excellent that you had a master's in that in that program. So I'm sure exactly. that coupled exactly. with the internship was what sealed the deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So can you walk us through a typical day at your current position? Is the workload fairly varied, or do you have a strict routine? Okay, so it uh, it's it definitely varies. There are um, quarterly, annual, biannual processes that we do that are it's you know. Like the, I would say the core parts of our job, and that, that would include um, running our, our books of business, our, all of our policies and the different lines of business, whether that's commercial, personal, uh, auto, whatever. Um, there's a long list of them. We run all those through the models and we, uh, we get our, our loss reports and we you know, disseminate all this information, boil it down in a way that these different, uh, I call them our customers. So that could be like, uh, you know, people in the claims department and underwriting or actuarial loss reserving. There's many different departments that take our information and then they use it for, for their work. So those are the things that's like the, the main function. Uh, but on a day to day basis, it, it really varies. I mean, there's five of us here, uh, catastrophe uh, modelers here in, in the company. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all have like our own focus areas. I would say a lot of the work that I do involves GIS. There's a heavy GIS component to my daily tasks. And I mean, I use it every single day. Uh, other people on my, on my team, they probably use it maybe once a month or uh, a little bit more than that. But it, our skill sets are very diverse, which I find very, mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. Uh, there's just so many different perspectives that are useful in this kind of work. 
So anyways, I arrive in the morning and one of the first things we do is uh, we do a daily weather report. Uh, and me and another modeler here, I, we are both the only two with uh, um, any kind of atmospheric science uh, meteorology background. So, and in fact, American Family's largest natural catastrophe risk is from severe weather. So it's just an added benefit to have meteorologists here, you know, working on this stuff. Um, uh, a natural, a natural fit. Yeah. But so our daily weather report, I wouldn't say we are, you know, it's not like we're on, you know, live on air, you know, doing a uh, forecast like you'd see on TV or, you know, getting into the nitty gritty details that goes into making a forecast. Really, we are echoing information from official sources because w one thing we noticed is that a lot of people, there's a lot of people in this company, they're all getting information from all these different sources and, you know, they might not have, I mean, I mean weather information is pretty complicated if you don't know what you're looking at. So it, really, we want to act as that central hub for any weather-related information. We're your guys. And uh, so that daily report that I'm referring to, I mean, that covers everything from weather to, you know, current wildfires that are going on, um, you know, earthquake activity, which is you know, obviously rare, but they do happen every day. Um, and that information gets sent out to, oh, I mean, we have, I think, close to 300 or a little more uh, recipients of that report that comes out daily, at least during the active season. And those recipients range all across the industry from, you know, people in marketing and sales to, you know, uh, the CEO and high level executives here in the company. So it, it gives us great exposure. And especially with, uh, for our department, um, I'm part of enterprise risk management. And within that division, I'm on the catastrophe management side. And it's a pretty new entity here in the company. I, I believe they started in 2014. So there's, there's still a lot of people that don't even know what we do or that we even exist. And as we become more popular um, and gain more, uh, I guess, leverage here in the company, mm -hmm. we get all sorts of different requests that come in. And um, so that's when it, it really becomes more project-based. So uh, we all work together when it comes to our like annual modeling and, and quarterly modeling processes. But on a, a typical day, we're all doing our own things. So for me specifically, I've been working a lot with a wildfire related, wildfire hazard. Um, so essentially I'm trying to create a wildfire risk hazard layer um, for the states that we operate in to give us a better understanding of, you know, what is our wildfire risk in these different geographies before we have to, you know, either quote a policy or fetch that information from a, from a vendor. Like what kind of things can we produce in house? Because from my research here, a lot of these vendors use publicly available information and they just kind of repackage it and brand it. And then here you go, uh, pay us. So it's like, why can't I do something like that? You know, uh, obviously they all have their own secret sauce and the black box, uh, what they do in the background, but it's essentially all the same information. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of my work so is on, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so the, the weather, the weather briefing or the weather reporting that you do that that's like national, right? Because yes. you cover so many states. So yep. American Family, as as an enterprise, uh, we have many different sub subsidiary subsidiaries under us, and in total, we cover all fifty states. And American Family also has a uh, a reinsurance branch, which they operate on a global scale. Um, but as far as our weather reporting. Uh, we are focused and exclusively on the United States. And so how, how much of your day does that take? Is that like a... Oh, man. 
a big chunk, right, of your day? To- um, in the beginning, in the beginning, it certainly was. Uh, like I said, it's, it's still a new area. So we're um, when I started here, they kind of already had a process in place as to how they were going to do this. But what used to take us maybe two or three hours in the morning to do all that reporting, we can now do it in like probably 30 minutes, depending on how active. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a, it's an, essentially an auto-generated report that's pulling all this, all this information. And uh, really what we're trying to give to our, our customers is um, like policy counts. Like for, for example, th- taking um, the convective outlook provided by the storm prediction center, like we will overlay that information uh, and, and extract like how many policies are in these different uh, risk categories. And I mean, it's just high level information. You know, if we have our, some of our biggest exposure is in the Midwest. So like if we have like an enhanced risk or, or high risk or whatever, even slight risk, uh, we just want to report how many policies do we have that could potentially be impacted by severe weather today. And like I said, it goes to a big audience. So what they do with that information, it could be something as simple as, hey, cool, I know the weather. Or uh, in our claims department might need to, you know, or organize um, in the event of a catastrophe, they'll send out um, like an estimate of how many claims they're expecting, or we have a, um, a catastrophe like response team. So they'll actually send out like a, a bus huh. and uh, to these different areas that were like in Denver, when they had their huge hailstorm, they might send out a bus to some, I don't know, some parking lot of some business. And essentially it's like a mobile uh, claim center. So everyone lines up to get their check essentially. Yeah. And uh, so it's just a really, it's a customer focus. We really want to be there for the customer when something goes wrong. And, and, and when I say customer now, I'm referring to the actual policyholder. You know, right. You and I, yeah. So uh, we want to make the experience as stress-free as possible. I mean, they've already gone through a terrible situation, whether it's hail damage or a tornado destroyed their home or, or their business. We just want to get them back on their feet as soon as possible. We're trying to uh, restore their dreams. So it sounds like it's very varied. So is there anything in particular that you like most about your job? Um, every aspect of it. I mean, it's a hard question for me. And when I was reviewing it, I'm like, man, how do I stay concise? But really, every aspect of this job, I love um, the the work related. I mean, obviously, I studied geoscience, atmospheric science. So anything weather related uh, um it's, to me, it's exciting. Remote sensing, like the, uh, there's so many implications for that, those fields in insurance that I just want to be there to help. I want to be that bridge trying to, uh, how do I connect this? How do I connect these uh, concepts, the science to the industry and how can we make better, whether that's better products, better decisions, uh, uh, whatever it might be. I find all that stuff to be very exciting and the work itself is fun. But on top of that, it is the environment. Um, I had Between a, a, being at American Family and interning at Munich Reinsurance, there's de- definitely a difference in like the, I guess like the corporate culture, however, however I word that appropriately. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's just being here it makes me feel good. Like I, uh, it's just I would I would never have expected that I would end up where I am today uh, in insurance as a meteorologist. So it, it's it's fascinating work. I really I I can't emphasize that enough. Like I uh, I can't choose. <laughs> in other words. <laughs> so on the flip side, what do you find the most challenging about your job? As far as challenging, um, there's definitely a lot of problem solving. You know, you got a lot of uh, you run into a lot of obstacles, and it's really, I mean, aside from reaching out to technical support for these different models or um, or you know different forums online, to whatever problem you might be running into, um, sometimes that can be a challenge because you just sometimes you're doing something so unique that 
nobody's really had that problem. And then you can't find a solution online or, or any kind of reference. So then it really comes to, you know, trying to find that person who might have that a background or a skill set that trying to do what you're trying to accomplish. It's really long-winded, but essentially, like for me with GIS, I didn't have any kind of formal GIS background um, besides that one class, which doesn't really count. Um, so I, a lot of times I run into these, um, what I think would be fundamental um, concepts that I just don't quite grasp. And whether that be in the software or the type of process that I'm executing or the results it might be, uh, is I don't want to just do something and because the tool says it's this, that's what it is. I want to make sure that what I'm doing, it makes sense. Do these results make sense? Right. Uh, so it's that fundamental component that I'm missing. And it, that actually led me to um, to pursue a graduate certificate from the University of Wisconsin. They have a very good GIS program here. And I mean, thankfully, it was uh, paid for by the company. I mean, they're investing in me, which is a, a very... Um, refreshing uh, feeling. And it, it, honestly, that was one of the best things for me because it really answered a lot of questions that I had. And like I said, some, some of them very fundamental, some of them very technical that I can't even resolve to this day. But I think that's the biggest challenge for me is just like hitting a dead end um, because obviously critical thinking and problem solving skills, you try and get to that answer, but sometimes you just can't. And then what do you do? Right. So you touched on this a little bit, but now that you're um, in the position you're in, what level of education do you think would be required? Um, say somebody was interested in becoming, you know, a catastrophe manager working in, in insurance. Uh, what would your advice be to them in terms of um, the educational background? Would it be a master's or would it be some of these uh, other courses that you mentioned? Okay. Yeah, great question. I, when you look at the job descriptions or applications for a catastrophe manager, cast analyst, whatever, um, there's different iterations of the same job. But uh, essentially, they all say a bachelor's, you know, a bachelor's and some type of uh, quantitative um, quantitative background, econ um, economy, uh, risk management. And data, it doesn't like I'm looking at one right now, in fact, because uh, as reference. It says, preferably in mathematics, finance, economics, statistics, or computer science, or a similar field. Um, so it doesn't say anything about meteorology, about geoscience, uh, um, but this field is inherently a quantitative field. So it, it's a natural fit. And it's just a coincidence that American families' um, largest natural peril risk is severe weather, from severe weather. So having someone with that kind of a background was just a great fit. And I, I think that's true across most of the insurance industry. The weather seems to be the biggest, um, at least for property, uh, in casual, at least for property insurance, it seems to be weather is the biggest uh, problem. So really, I think as a, as a meteorologist, if you come out with a bachelor's, I think it is possible for you to get a, a job. It really comes down to your, the practical experiences that you've had. Like, um, like I said, getting access to the catastrophe model to like play around with it, it's not really an option. You just have to get an internship or, um, you know, just learn as, as much as you can about the, the field itself. So that when you get to that interview that you can, you can display that you're motivated, you want to learn about this. And this is the, you know, this is the, the career that you want to pursue. But, you know, obviously it's not always as easy as that. Um, and you had mentioned these courses that I, that I took, well, actually I refer to them, but, uh, in an interview that I had, 
I actually asked that same question. Like, would you recommend that, you know, as I'm searching for jobs or I was technically still in school at that time, should I, you know, pay for these courses? Um, they're not, I wouldn't say these Institute courses are expensive as a typical university or college um, uh, credit cost, but you know, you're being a student, you're most likely already in debt. So having to add more on top of that to take these courses, you know, on your own free will to, to hope to get into this position, it wasn't actually recommended to me. Um, in fact, the, the woman told me that most companies, at least in her experience, once you're in, they'll gladly pay to continue your education in the field because it just shows that, that I guess, that dedication or interest in the field. And it, you know, ultimately, it's just a, a big benefit. So I wouldn't tell a student right now listening, um, you know, go to the institutes, take these insurance-related courses uh, because I don't think that's the best use of your time. I think as an undergrad, uh, like taking a business course or um, some type of uh, finance or whatever it might be, something in that regard may have added benefit to this field because it, it is a business after all. But uh, technical skills is also, I think, a good way to fly, a good flashy way to, you know, uh, get into this type of work. And as I mentioned, uh, I use Python, R is obviously a good one. Uh, another really important one that I did not mention, in fact, uh, uh, is SQL, uh, SQL, or however you say that. Um, the, I wouldn't say any of these technical, like programming skills are required for the job, but they are definitely a plus because, especially SQL, because with these models, like the outputs of these models are all in plethora of different tables and you have to connect these different databases together, you know, with different keys. And really you do that with SQL, there are other ways, of course, but SQL seems to be the, the that the tool that stands out. Like, learn SQL, uh -huh. and it's not it's it's not difficult. I mean, if you've never used it before, of course it is going to be, but it's not as complex as trying to learn Python or, or whatever other language or many different languages that are out there. Right. So you had mentioned that there was some seasonal variation in your workload, but does your job generally allow for a good work-life balance? I, I, yes, absolutely. Um, that was a, one of my first questions. In fact, when I was applying was the work-life balance, because one of the things that steered me away from the weather service was that it doesn't matter if you've been there for, you know, six months or six years, it, it doesn't appear to be any kind of seniority when it comes to your schedule. Mm. You're always on a rotating shift. You're going to work nights. You're going to work that third shift. You're going to work early morning hours. And, you know, for the kind of life that I wanted, I didn't want to have my, my life be determined by my work schedule on that high of a, of a degree. Right. And I mean, I give a tremendous amount of credit to the, to those um, forecasters in the weather service that are able to do that because that is tough. I, I, I could not do it. It's one of the main reasons I didn't continue that way, regardless of how cool it would be to be a forecaster at the weather service. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as my own work-life balance, I mean, so it's, you know, typical nine to five, you know, we're not open on the weekends, so you get your weekends off. But for us specifically, the, our catastrophe managers here, um, we actually rotate on call. Um, like we have every week we rotate who's on call. And really what it comes down to is if there's severe weather or a hurricane brewing or, uh, you know, an earthquake just went off in California or whatever it might be, one of the big things we do is event response. So, um, Using GIS and, and, and different methods, we're able to get information that our customers, in, in this reference, I mean, like executives and, and directors and, and across the different lines, uh, they want to know information about like, how, what is the impact? You know, how much 
know, how much total insured value do we have in this geography that was impacted by hail or, or whatever the questions might be. So really we're just there to answer any questions that might be there. But a lot of the work is also proactive. Like um, a lot of times people, you know, not this the weekend, they disconnect and we're not paying attention to what's going on at the other side of the country. Uh, but we are. So when, uh, if the weather is bad and it's your week on call, you just have to be vigilant, stay aware of what's going on. Don't really get, be caught off guard. Uh, it'd be pretty bad if a hurricane is making landfall on a Saturday and you have no idea there's even a, an event going on out there. But uh, I guess to answer your question, the work-life balance in my, in my experience has been excellent. That's great to hear. Yeah. Albert, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each of our podcasts. What is your favorite band or musician? Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Well, definitely. I, I, I have a hard time choosing a particular band. Um, I am a huge fan of, of death metal. I love, I love, uh, my favorite band is at the gates. Um, and I, I used to play the drums. So there's just something that I find fascinating about, uh, metal drummers. Uh They're just, they're, they're so fast. They're, I mean, some of them, it's just so much noise to people. But when I listen to this kind of music, I only hear the drums. Like I can, I just envisioning what they're doing, how they, the, and one of the biggest regrets is selling my drum set when I was fifth, I think I was 16 to f- do a, a repair on my first car. I, like it was this kind of desperation. Uh-huh. I'm like, let me just get some money. And honestly, I regret it because I miss my drum set and uh, <laughs> I'm always tapping on my desk and, and just you know, having beats in my head. But yeah, I'd say uh, at the gates, it's probably one of my favorite uh, nice. metal bands. I'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not too late to get another drum set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm actually actively looking for one. Um, just got to be the right one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us, Albert, and sharing your work experiences. Of course. That's our show for today. Please join us next time. Rain or shine. <laughs>